You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I remember a few years ago, um, a guy went to a grocery store, and he took a, a, a cameraman with him, and he would wait till the people got right up to paying for their groceries. In other words, the cashier had rung everything up, and she gives the, the amount, and he would step forward with his credit card and, and pay for their groceries. And, uh, and so some people reacted with lots of emotion. You know, a couple of people cried and hugged him. Uh, some people were just like, wow, I can't believe this, you know. And then he takes like um, maybe four or five of those stories, and he kind of puts them together in a video with some really beautiful music behind it, and, and he posted it on his Facebook page. And so there were a lot of responses to the post. There were people saying things like, wow, that was beautiful. I cried all the way through it. Um, that was so awesome. But, but then there were other people who were pretty honest with him and said, I don't know why you put yourself in the video. Because in a way, he kind of made himself the hero of the story. And, and I don't know why you let them show your face as the person who was, who was doing this. In fact, some people were so blunt as to say, um, I really question your motives for doing these good deeds for people. Because it felt like to me that you were taking a lot of the praise. Motivation. Why we do the things that we do. The longer I live in my life, I become more and more convinced that the motive of my heart is really, really important. It's not just that I do something. But why did I do it? It's not just that I said something. But but what was the motive behind it? Why did I say it? I'm not saying what we do is not important. I'm just saying that why we do it is also very important. And so, I mean, you know, it's just, it's a summer Sunday. It's just us. So maybe we should just... Look each other in the eye for a minute and let me just get to the heart of the issue. You ready? Here we go. Why do you serve God? What's your motive? So you might, you might, you know, think about it. Okay, you attend church. At least you're here today. Um, When when you go out, you got the offering boxes. Do Do you drop a little bit in? So maybe you're saying, a little bit? No, no, Pastor Rick, I'm a 10 percenter. I'm a tither. On the gross, not the net. I'm serious. Even chipping a little bit more at offerings. I'm all in. Volunteer. Work with the kids, the students. I serve. I'm involved with community stuff. I serve at Two Lakes, whatever. Is there ever anything in you that says... It's kind of like I'm making deposits. You know, kind of. I mean, God's watching, right? It's got to count for something. 
I mean, surely it's going to benefit me someday, right? All of this that I'm doing. And so, I mean, it's kind of like I'm making deposits and one day I might need to cash in. You know, I might need a prayer answered or something. And I hope, you know, the, the, the big guy in the sky is remembering all the stuff that I did until I, you know, need to cash in. Is there, is there ever a time in your life when you've said to yourself, oh, we can't miss church this weekend. We got a big prayer that we need answered. And when I walk by the offering boxes, I'm probably going to pony up this week like I don't normally pony up. Might even volunteer if they ask for volunteers because we really need God to come through in a major way at our house. I, I remember really well, a friend of mine said to me one day, when a prayer did not get answered as he had prayed it, as serious as it could be, he's in this very frustrated place and he says, I don't know why I'm doing all that I'm doing if he's not going to come through when I really need him to come through. I'm just saying. And I'm telling you, he was doing a lot. And as my friend, I had to, I had to go to him and I had to say, man, I'm your friend, I'm your pastor, but... But I've got to talk to you about your motives for all that you're doing. Unfortunately. It may not be where we started. But I think many of us can relate. That it's easy to slip to a place. Of wanting to remind God all the deposits we've made. When we need a prayer answered. So I told you last week that when Jesus tried to talk to people about the kingdom of heaven, he told stories. He, he would he would tell a story to, to help people understand what the kingdom of heaven was like. He told parables. And you remember the word parable in its Latin root literally means comparison. And so that's why Jesus would say the kingdom of heaven is like. And he would tell a story. Let me Let me show you a comparison to what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he would tell a story. And so this summer, we're just talking about the stories that Jesus told and, and what those simple stories, what spiritual or moral lessons Jesus was trying to convey. Now, I'm going to tell you this also, and that is that the stories that Jesus told weren't always crystal clear what he meant. In fact, sometimes even his disciples, that group of guys that was closest to him, they would come to him and say, hey, Jesus, come here. Hey, that story you told out there, we didn't get it. Can you explain the parable to us? And there were times when Jesus would set them aside and he would explain the parable to them because it wasn't crystal clear. Sometimes he would tell a story to really put you in that gear of thinking hard. And I think this is one of those stories. And I don't think they got it. Maybe until days later. But I think this story is really pointing us to this question. And that is simply this. What is our motivation for serving God? Anybody in the room willing to say, Rick, part of my motivation for serving God is the blessings. I'm wanting some kickbacks. Anybody say, I'm kind of like your friend. I'm kind of thinking, you know, if I make some deposits, maybe, you know, he'll come through for me. If I scratch the back of God, will God scratch my back? Anybody in the room saying, well, frankly, he kind of needs me. I'm fairly efficient. It's a sweet deal for him. I get a lot done for the kingdom. Is there anybody saying, I'm just going to be honest and say it's heaven. 
There is no way in this world that I can die and not be ready for heaven. Somehow, somehow, Rick Harvey, I got to get to heaven when this life is over. I can't risk it. I don't know what's out there and I'm afraid to risk it. So I keep doing what I do because I got to get to heaven. So let me look at the story. Grab your phone, your Bible. I'll put words on the screen and let's listen to Jesus' story together. You ready? For the kingdom of heaven is like, see, what did I just tell you, right? Parable, comparison. That's why Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. Let me tell you a story about a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. You got the picture? Landowner, it's time to harvest, going to go out early in the morning, hire some people. So in Jesus' day, a work day for common laborers was 12 hours, six in the morning to six in the evening. Don't you wish we had the good old days back again? Yeah. Six in the morning, six in the evening. And, and so he goes out and he hires the workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day. And he sent them into the vineyard. Now, a denarius was the day's wage for a laborer. This is fair, okay? But three hours later, at about nine in the morning, he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. And he told them, you also go work in my vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. What did he pay the people who were going to work all day? A denarius. What is he going to pay these people? Whatever's right. So they went. He went out again at noon. The day's half gone. And then again, about three in the afternoon. There's only three hours left to work. And he did the same thing. But listen, at about five in the afternoon, he went out again. There's only an hour left. And he found still others standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. Makes you wonder if nobody wanted to hire them because they weren't good workers. I don't know. So he said to them, will you also go and work in my vineyard? So when evening came, because the Torah said, if you hire somebody to work for you during the day, you pay them in the evening. Okay? We're not having any of this. You get paid at the end of the week stuff. You'll get your check on Friday. No. Not having any of this getting paid every two weeks or twice a month. Uh Uh-uh. I'm getting my check tonight. All right? So when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages. Beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. So the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received, voila, a denarius. A full day's wage. And so when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. Meaning more than he agreed to pass. I mean, if he paid the guys who only worked an hour a full day's wage, I have no idea how much we might get. But each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you have made them equal to us who have become, who have rather borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But what did the landowner say? He answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. 
I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? And then he says this thing that he says sometimes. It's this upside down picture of life that is the kingdom of heaven. Say it with me. So the last will be first and the first will be last. So if you dive into the story, and I want to do that with you, but I want to try to translate it into something that makes it a little more clear for you and me in our context. You got this picture of a landowner hiring workers for the vineyard. It's a 12 hour day. The Torah says you're going to pay them that evening. A denarius was one day's wage. And so we're all good. So let me just think with you, okay? I'll give you a table. If, if, if you hired somebody to come and work for you for $10 an hour, and you said, I need you to work for 12 hours from 6 in the morning to 6 in the evening. I mean, my math is not great, and I don't understand new math, but in old math, it would be $120, okay? All right. So what if you go out and you hire somebody three hours later? They're only going to work nine hours. It seems to me, again, I'm not a mathematician, but it seems to me that's going to equal about $90. If if I'm thinking right, that's fair. But if you only work half a day, it's half of 120. It would be 60. If you only work three hours, you're going to make 30 bucks. But the people who showed up at five o'clock, your check's going to be $10, right? Are we all together? Okay, Jesus says, but the kingdom of heaven looks like this. Next slide. We were delayed. And honestly, I got a word that I can't get out of my head. And you know what the word is? Fair. It doesn't seem fair to me. What is fair about that? And if God in the story is the landowner, then is God fair? I decided a long time ago. That I did not want a God who was fair. I have no interest. In serving a God who is fair. Because I will never do enough. Or be good enough. To earn forgiveness for my sins. I need a God who is gracious. I don't need a God who is fair. If God said to me today, Rick, I'm going to treat you as your sins deserve, I would say, please don't be fair. Don't do that. I can't withstand it. Don't be fair with me, God. Be gracious.
They're bummed. They're frustrated. They're a little confused. They're a little hurt. They feel a little cheated. They feel like life is not fair. Here's the question I have. Do they go up to the people who hired at five and say, hey, high five, buddy, you got a full day's wage. I don't think so. I think they're ticked. I think they're like this. I don't think they're talking to the other people. They're not happy for them. Jesus says, I've been fair with you. I told you this is what I would pay you and I paid you. And, and, and then he says to them, are you, are you envious because I'm generous? Is that what it is? You know what the literal translation is word for word? The literal translation is, do you have an evil eye? In other words, are you blinded by envy? Are you so focused on yourself and the fact that somebody else got a better deal than you got that you can't be happy for them? Do you have an evil eye? Hey, are, are you blinded by your envy that you can't celebrate with somebody else something really good that's come into their lives? And then he says, the last will be first and the first will be last. What did he mean? Did he mean those who were hired last will get paid first in full and those who are hired first will be paid last in full? And, and what does all of that mean? And if we started the conversation with this idea of what is our motivation for serving God, then what does this mean? We're tempted to do the right things for all the wrong reasons. And, and what does all of this have to do with that story about the landowner? So let me, let me talk to you about that, okay? My, my family, um, immediate family, my wife Annette, my two girls, Morgan and Brittany, and Brittany's husband, Tim, and their daughter, Sadie, and, and, uh, and Morgan's boyfriend, Brian. We, we, have, we have a rich family memory. It's our favorite family memory. And here's what happened. It was, it was Annette's birthday. And uh, it was when Annette turned to me and told me she loved me. And I told her I loved her too. And, uh, but we decided we were going to surprise her on this special kind of big birthday, Okay. And, uh, and so we, we got all this worked out. Our friends Jeffrey and Julie were in town. That was part of it. Julie takes Annette out for the day. And the house is free for the girls to just do this incredible setup of food and appetizers and cake. And the table looked incredible. And so she walks into the door and she sees all of this. And she is just taken aback. She says, what is this? And... We said, it's your birthday. What she did not know was that her little granddaughter, Sadie, who lived 12 hours away, was going to come running into the room, jump in her arms. I watched the video again yesterday and cried again when I watched it. Annette started crying and she was holding Sadie and she was so overwhelmed. And then Brittany comes out into the room and hugs her and Tim comes into the room and Annette got to where she couldn't breathe and we got her breathing again. And so it was just like this great family memory. I'm crying like crazy. It was just, it was beautiful. It was just beautiful. So imagine we come to the end of the day. We finally lay our head on our pillows, you know. And Annette says to me, Rick, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. 
It was wonderful. I loved the, the dinner, the party, the friends. I loved the girls being here and Sadie surprising me and the outfit. And I just loved it. But I got to know why. What, what motivated you to do it? I think, I, think there's some, I think there's some really bad answers. I think one would be like this. Well, you know, Annette, I, uh, I've lived with you all these years. And you've never really done anything for one of my birthdays to amount to anything. And I just thought maybe if I, you know, kind of went all out for you, maybe, who knows, next time mine rolls around, you might kind of throw me a party, you know. So what's the motivation? I'm, I'm doing something for you, but I want you to do something for me, right? I'm, I'm making a deposit and I'm looking for a kickback at some point. I'm going to cash in. Right. I, I think there's an even worse answer than that. It's to say, hey, you remember. Well, here's why you remember uh, one night we were at that party at their house and, and it was kind of a dress up deal. Yeah. Well, you didn't know it, but when you were talking to so and so, you remember that? Guy? Yeah, I could see you just there was kind of a post between us, but I could see you. And when I looked over at you, you know what I thought to myself? No, what do you think? I thought to myself, boy, Nat needs a new outfit pretty bad. Yeah, it's not going to help your marriage at all. Because what I'm what I'm saying is you you need me, right? There's only one answer to that question, and that is and and it is so true. She is the light in my life. She is Annette is one of the most kind, loving. She's a great mom, a great wife. I love her to death. And in first service, she was sitting there and I just got to look at her and tell her, you know. And the the reason I did it is because I just wanted to see you light up. (laughs) I'm nuts about you. See, that's, that's good motivation, right? When you read the story, you got it figured out? Somebody walks up here on the street and says, you go to church? Yeah. So that story in the Bible about the landowner and the workers, they came at all different hours, but they all got the same pay. What was that about? How do you answer that? What, what was that all about? And so, so you might say, you know, I think, I think I got it. I, I think it's one of those deals where like, like somebody has loved Jesus and gone to church and given you know, sacrificially out of what little they had and they volunteered and they served and they spent hours and hours and they did all of this stuff for God all of their life and, they, and they're going to die and go to heaven. But then you've got the guy who on his deathbed, right before he checks out, says, Lord, forgive me. And he goes to heaven too. I think that's what it's about. I don't know. Somebody else says, I think I know what it's about. It's, it's Israel. It's about the nation of Israel. They've been with God from the beginning. They, they, they said, we are the people of God. We participated in the story of God from the very beginning. And now, here's what's going to happen. The kingdom of God in these last days is just going to be open to every nation. They all get in. I don't think so. I, I think the answer is found in the context. And here's what I mean. I don't think Jesus just said, let's have this conversation 
And in the middle of it, he said, oh, I know it's not about anything we're talking about, but a random story just popped into my mind. I'm going to tell you the story and then we'll go back to the conversation. No, the conversation for that section of scripture is all about the same thing. And so here we go. Verse 19, 27. Here's what happens right before Jesus tells the story. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Another translation translates, what do we get? Jesus, we have walked with you like crazy man for three years now. And we have sacrificed and we've done all this stuff. So what do we get? What's in it for us? I'm talking about kickbacks. That's what happens before Jesus tells the story. Here's what happens after he tells the story. And this one's going to chap you a little bit, okay? Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus. Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, you're about to be elected president. And my boys have stood beside you through some pretty tough stuff. And I want one of them to be the vice president and I want the other one to be secretary of state. That entire section is dealing with status and greed and power and reward. And I believe the audience that Jesus is talking to is the disciples. And I believe Jesus is saying to them, do you, do you mean that the reason you have been serving me, the motivation in your heart for following me and serving me is because you think that one day you're going to become rich and powerful? Is that what it's moved to? I know it didn't start out that way, but are you telling me that this is where this has gone? You're serving me because you want personal prominence and reward. We've been with you longer than anybody else. We're the 12 hour guys. We think we should get more. So I don't think many of you can do this. But I'm going to ask you to try. And if you can't, I get it. But when I was a kid, we sung a song. I'm going to sing the first four words. You may not know it. But if you do, you sing the next four. But you're going to have to kind of contribute because there's not many of you who can do it. You ready? I will serve thee. Now, you need music if you're going to keep going, really. It's better with music. What if that was it? What if that's the only reason that we serve him? Because I love him. Because he's given life to me. And I don't think the disciples got it that day. 
In fact, I've got a feeling it might have been weeks later that they're walking alone on a dusty road. And they kind of had this moment where they go, oh, I think that's what he meant us to get out of that. I think that's where that whole conversation, that story was going. You know who was really good at this? Really good at this whole thing of just serving because they loved? You know who was great at it? Jesus. In fact, after he dies, they write about him. You know what they write? He took on the form of a servant. And he himself said, I didn't come to be served. Don't need nobody serving me. I came to serve. To give my life. Why? A little thing called love. I just do it because I love. That's it. Lord, this morning, I I just feel your presence. I hear your voice. I feel your love. Thank you for talking to me. Even throughout this week, through your word. I feel like this is a come to Jesus meeting. And I feel like by the power of your Holy Spirit, you've caused us to look deep into our souls. And you're helping us to ask the hard questions. Why do we do the things we do? And when it comes to serving you, it feels like there's only one good reason. And it feels like when it's all said and done, every Sunday we come to the same place. Help us. Be more like Jesus because Jesus was awesome at this. Just serving out of love. Give us grace. Make us like Jesus. Help us choose the Jesus way. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let God lead you. If you feel like you want to come and pray, you know it's always appropriate. Be with God. Be with Him in His presence during these next few minutes. And just respond as you feel that God wants you to respond. If you hurt me, I will forgive.
opportunity now to go out into the world and give grace to those around us. 
daily choose to walk in your ways. Thank you for meeting with us here this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming today. You are dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.